Hello and welcome to the Stringer Podcast number 29. It's been a minute, hasn't it? It's been a crazy couple months actually. We did another project that brought us to Mexico, it seemed like a million times. We moved offices. Stringer has a new office and we're still trying to get settled in. And we have Dylan. Hi, we've always had Dylan, but oh. now I'm just telling Dylan that he has to go on the microphone. Hey, Dill. I got to talk? You, you, oh, I want you to talk. We wow, got to hear okay. your voice. This is my voice. I hope everyone likes it. It's not too... <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. It's smooth. Too grating? It's silky, Dill. We, uh, I'm actually doing this because uh, t- today's guest, Mike Boone, Toronto Mike, at Toronto Mike on Twitter, and his podcast, Toronto Mike'd brilliant idea at toronto podcast that guy gets all the good handles he kind of called you out in today's podcast for not speaking much he thought that i didn't allow you to speak and then that implanted in my brain i'm like no i want to talk to dylan too so dill what words of advice do you have to share with the with the group what have you just been teaming to get out oh oh, is this this new rule like i thought i wasn't supposed to talk you have to give a new piece of advice every single week that's what it's going to be you got to give a new piece of advice every single week how about we start with this Upcoming weekend, it's cold out, the snow is coming, I don't really want to go outside. Everyone has rituals when it comes to what movie they want to watch, especially around the holiday season. So give me a suggestion. What mo- what movie? Let's, like, you can even give a couple if you want to give top give three. give a couple. All when right. It, well, I think since this gets just, harder and harder the more December, we talk about it. It's December, December right now, so you want a nice Christmas movie. And I think if we're going to just maybe avoid Die Hard, because Die Hard is a Christmas movie, it is. It's on definitive lists. That is, and a Christmas I think movie. I'm pretty sure screenwriters have come out and said it is a Christmas movie. So, like, great from the source. Um, Home Alone. Home Alone is just oh. great. Christmas time. You forget about your kids. No, <laughs> you leave them at home. A lot of it filmed in Toronto, or all almost all of it filmed in Toronto. Harry and Marv, probably the two best villains in Hollywood Joe history. Pesci's so great. Home Alone is an all time favorite. Do you remember Kevin Kel- McAllister's favorite pizza? No cheese. Oh. Yeah, he had to have... Was, I think so. Someone's going to yell at me if I'm wrong. Pretty sure it's a cheese pizza. You can you, make a slide out of there. No. Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll figure it out. If you guys don't want to stay in this weekend, we do have something you can do. Well, Seat Giant has something you can do. And this is one of my favorite holiday traditions. Well, I can't say it's a tradition because I've only technically been twice. But the Nutcracker. Have you ever oh, seen the Nutcracker, Dale? I have not seen the Nutcracker. Here's a funny story. I'll tell it quickly. Uh, it was a dream of mine for a really long time to go see the Nutcracker. And so I thought it'd be like really suave when taking this girl on a date. And I had to track down because Nutcracker tickets are near impossible to get in Toronto. And so I went on I went on Craigslist. I went on Kijiji. I went on all the normal places to try and find tickets. We show up the Sony Theater of the Performing Arts and they wouldn't accept our tickets, and I was baffled. I had to like take a train all the way out to Oakville just to get these tickets. We showed up at the Sony Center for Performing Arts, and here they were for a theater in North York. Oh. I, I had dressed up. I was so ready to impress this girl on this date, and I didn't even get tickets to the right theater, which, and I didn't even mean this to be such a perfect segue, but Seat Giants got you figured out. They will make sure you know what tickets and what theater you are going to. All you have to do is head over to SeatGiant.ca, find what date you want to go, use promo code STRINGER, and you'll save an extra couple bucks on your ticket purchase. That's right. And if ballet is not your thing, hey, I'm not going to judge. Some things aren't my thing. You can still go to Seat Giant. You can look up all your favorite sporting events. Concerts. Concerts. I almost said sports events again. Sporting, <laughs> you can tell I haven't done the sports, 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 yeah, sports, 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 sports. <laughs> sporting events, sports events, events that encourage people to watch sports, musical uh, sports, musical sports. No, all your favorite concerts, all your favorite sports, all your favorite events going on in the city. And no matter what event you choose, you can always use promo code Stringer to save an extra couple bucks. Okay, clearly I'm not so down. I'm not so hip with this uh, intro thing. It's been a minute. I'm going to have to figure it out before the next one. So I'm just going to let you be done with me. Be done with Dylan. Say bye, Dylan. Uh, Can I talk? Can I talk? 100%. What would you like to say? <laughs> Dylan says goodbye, and we're gonna hook you up right now to Stringer number twenty-nine, another crossover episode with Toronto Mike. Dill, there's one thing we do. You have to get this right. There's one thing we do between the intro and the uh, and the interview. You know what that is? I, I think I know what this one is. 
It's the sax. It's the sax. Straight. So Hebsey was at my house nine to ten, doing his podcast, and then I like threw his online, and jumped on my bike for the uh, yeah like ten o'clock to get here. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. No problem. That's unbelievable. Uh, Toronto Mike on the podcast. Really exciting for me because I feel actually I'm going to spend the whole hour feeling like I'm being compared to how you do things. <laughs> I'm 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 honestly extremely worried because you're six years in and all these bumps that I'm still figuring out, you're like, Yeah, yeah, that's old news. I figured that out ages ago. Well, the way I say that is I broke all those eggs so you could enjoy an omelet. <laughs> that's what I say. But yeah, there's I've I've made all the mistakes, so uh, at this point I'm trying to find new mistakes to make, which is uh part of the fun, I guess. But uh, We haven't Interesting connection, non-connection, and this is right away one of the first times I heard your pod. Actually, no, I'm yeah. gonna start here. Sure. Um, as soon as I kind of started to think about doing a podcast, and I made a list of all the people, I told myself if I can make a list that's at least 52 people long, without repeating, of people that are like within my one or two degrees to contact, then I believe I have enough to to speak to someone, and I have enough runway. Um, and then I was maybe three or four people in, and they're like, "Oh, you're doing the Toronto Mike thing." And yeah, I'm like, yeah. I'm, I've I'm, heard this. I'm yeah. like, "What do you mean?" <laughs> they're like, "You haven't heard of Toronto Mike?" I'm like, "No." They're like, "He's had a blog forever, and he's had a podcast for years, and no, you're doing what he's doing." So that's really the touch point. A lot of I've been. By compared- the way, I've, I, uh, I'm flattered by this. Of course, I didn't invent anything. I just, you know, running on instinct with some inspirations and stuff. But I do hear this a lot. Like people nowadays are starting a podcast and they're like, oh, why don't I have on this media person and have a conversation with them about this and that and play some songs or whatever. And then, yeah, people are like, oh, that's the Toronto Mike, like the Toronto Mike blueprint or something. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, well, that's cool. Like that's how you know you're making some strides where there's a, they they coined a a format after you. So cool. Thanks. Um, Making, making your own ripple. Yeah. Not just with, I wouldn't even just say within the, the Toronto landscape, but you know, across Canada and then into the States, because I, I've heard you say multiple times when talking with different artists about how, how Buffalo and Northern New York... Because they get 102.1. It's all about receiving that terrestrial radio frequency. Like, yeah, so you're right. There are CanCon bands that I... Like these 90s CanCon alt-rock bands that I grew up listening to on 102.1 that I mm-hmm. still love. And it still blows my mind that, like, for example, like Mo Berg will come over, uh, Ron Hawkins from Lowest to the Low, Rusty, the band Rusty came over. Like, this is all still kind of breaking my brain. I just had uh, Junkhouse's Tom Wilson just came over. And they were played ad nauseum, if you will. Like, I loved it, but it was played all the time on 102.1 because... CanCon regulations, right? Right. But if you're in Buffalo, you want to hear Tragically Hip. For Tragically Hip's a great example. I haven't had anyone from Tragically Hip over yet, but uh, that's a band that's massive in Buffalo because they were listening to 102.1 from Toronto. Right. So yeah, there's a sphere of influence. And by default now, uh, if you are in that like age range where you were listening to Edge 102 in the 90s, you probably have stumbled upon a couple of Toronto Miked episodes, and you might even dig the vibe because you're sort of like an honorary southern ontarian torontonian yes and and so much it's funny because so much of the formation of who i am and my identity came from aaron davis and came from daryl Dahmer, and came from and you go over the edge i think of alan cross and i think of bookie and, and and all these personalities that because of terrestrial radio it's weird to say terrestrial. Radio. Yeah, you got it now but because it's, there's it's internet radio. radio there's uh, there's exactly. satellite. Satellite radio is the reason I always Completely. say terrestrial radio. Yeah, but because that was my morning, my lunchtime, yeah. and my after school, that that's just who you were, and these were the people that that you felt like you were kicking it with. Yep. Because you agreed with them or disagreed with them in your own way, and you interact with them on a personal level, even though it's a one way conversation. Well, a big big part of this is that the uh, the internet. Was in, in his youth, 
and before it became pervasive, if you will, like the radio was a much bigger deal, right? Because radio was, was, think about what radio would mean to you if you suddenly got rid of all streaming services and, you know, uh, iTunes and all these things. If they all disappeared right now, sudden, and, and satellite radio, all that disappears right now. Suddenly you're back finding your old transistor radio and tuning in a station to hear, you know, uh, to hear personalities introduce you to music. Like that's where you're back. Like it was massive. That's what I've found as I've crossed over into uh, first my late twenties and my thirties is my introduction to music isn't the same because I feel radio has taken on a different part of my life where I don't do a lot of driving, but whenever I am driving, I am tuning in the radio, but I don't listen to it in my home like I used to, right? And it squeezes off my introduction to new music. Yeah, well, you're preaching to the choir here. Like in my <laughs> home, I have two radios. I have one in the bathroom because I love to list, put it on when I'm in the shower, yeah. and I have one in the kitchen, which I throw on like on a Sunday morning or whatever. And they're both tuned to CBC Radio One, and they never leave there unless there's a Blue Jays game on, and I'm going to move the radio to the backyard and listen to a Jays game or whatever. And so right now, that's the only terrestrial radio that again you know, I like Metro Morning. I like listening yeah. to CBC Radio. And I like the news updates from CBC Radio. And uh, what happened back in the day is I would listen to the Thursday 30. So Edge 102 would have the Thursday 30, mm-hmm. often hosted by Martin Streak, but mm-hmm. uh, sometimes others. And I would listen to it. And essentially, like, what's new on the Thursday 30? Oh, there's this like there's this new song from some new band called, I don't know, the, the, the Radiohead or the White Stripes yeah. or whatever. And it's like, oh, and then there's another single from that band. And you're, and you're going downtown to pick up the CD. You know what I mean? And it's like, oh, man, this OK computer is A-OK. Like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, <laughs> OK computer is unbelievable. Yeah, that's right. But at least they already had the, the band. They already had a bunch of hits already. They, before had, Pablo OK, Honey. they had Pablo Honey with uh, Creep, right? Yeah. Which was all over the radio. And that's how you used to slip in swear words this is a tangent I do a lot of these but like you could that was exciting to me listening to uh, 102.1 and like there's a F-bomb I guess in the unedited the uncensored version of Creep yep uh, and, and, and it would slip yeah. in all the time. Like they would play that. Like, and I'd be like, "Wow!" Like, I know it's, it's this a, is real radio. Well, I said Headstones like ten minutes ago. Yeah. Cubically contained was a big radio hit for Headstones, and I still remember. Can I? Can you swear on this podcast? One hundred percent. Like paranoid little fuckers. Like this was a line <laughs> in the song, and it would be like six thirty p.m. or something, and I'm whatever. I'm listening. And I, did I just hear paranoid little, little fuckers? fuckers? I'm like, that's pretty cool like i don't know that was exciting to me so uh radio used to these top th- these thursday 30s meant something because mm-hmm. it's how you you would hear you know oh, this pearl jam song still on the charts or whatever there's a new tragically hip but it was how you kind of heard about what was going on and then you went and dove deep when after you heard the single on the radio martin streak was great too because he'd say uh you know introduce the thursday 30 and he'd say we have four new or six new sure yeah uh not debuts but but tracks entering the 30 this week right, right. the first one coming in at number 30 and yeah. then the next one yes. whatever you find at number 27 yeah and so it, it's a cue as you go down to he's a bit of a guide like a, he's cute completely like alan cross still does this but there's and bookie still does this uh on 88.1 but I miss the days when, uh, like, you had a guide, like a, a curator. I want to say, like, yeah. obviously, Martin Streak wasn't picking the songs he played. Okay, that's that hasn't happened since David Marsden was in the uh, the building in Brampton or whatever. But uh, he, you know, you hand him the top thirty, and he'd have something to say, like something about, hey, this is a Nine Inch Nail song, and he'd be something about how, you know, they just recorded whatever, and I'm, they're coming to the whatever. It just just it seemed like there was a bit of like uh, a transfer of knowledge, mm-hmm. and I, I learned a lot about an ongoing history of new music, which has been going on forever and still continues, was key here too. But I really like somebody giving me context, Mm -hmm. like telling me the story around the song and not just, I'm not there... I didn't want to just hear the song, move on, song, song, song. Give me a little something about that. Oh, this band's out of Memphis or whatever. And this guy's dad used to, I don't know, play piano for Elvis Presley. Like, Mm -hmm. give me something. I love that stuff. That's That's the shit I love. Interesting question. You probably know the answer to this. The Canadian content rules would that would apply to the Thursday Thirty as well. Of course. Oh yeah, it's all which day. Which means that they would have to have a strong element of Canadian bands. Right, but I feel like it's a daily requirement. But the, yes, definitely. Right. So that's the famous discussion. I had this discussion with Ron Hawkins and Lawrence Nichols of Lowest to the Low just two weeks ago. Just a couple weeks ago. I had, just two weeks ago. I yeah, we had this exact conversation because, um, like, how much, like, how, like, and there are a, a lot of these bands, these '90s can rock bands would have been crushed by the massive uh, media 
gorilla that's to the south of our borders. Right. If we didn't have these CanCon rules, like how could Sloan, for example, kind of go head to head with, I don't know, Nirvana, mm-hmm. like for example, right? But they did. And a lot of it is because the program, the people choosing the music at RFM stations mm-hmm. like Edge 102 had a requirement they had to f- be compliant to keep their their license from the CRTC so they would go they would be eager to share I don't know I'll say headstones for example since I'm picking on headstones today. but like yeah <laughs> promoting. without a doubt without a doubt lowest of the low without a doubt which that Shakespeare by Bud album still holds up still love that album man it brings me back but being released soon Shakespeare in my box that's correct like, yeah. that's good for you good for you but all that uh, was helped by CanCon and I think we're better off for it to be honest I like the fact that you know the tragically hips talking about you know pictures of our parents prime ministers like this is the kind of stuff I get off on you know there's a song called Bob Cajun but I'm a proud Canadian I enjoy it I'm a very proud Canadian as well <laughs> there's a band called Fallacy Flow and I remember I think I was in grade nine Eight, and it was a band called Fallacy Flow, and they had this the this song that dipped into the charts. Right. I th- I don't know if it went below eighteen, and I went out found their album, and that was a neat thing too. And, and I don't know enough of the re- relationships between some of the the big labels, the boutique labels, and HMV. Right, but I could walk into HMV and anyone I heard in rotation. On 102.1 The Edge, including my friends from high school, their band called Psych, I could walk into the local HMV right. and they would be carrying the CDs. But I found Fallacy Flow and it went to this. And then I figured out they're from Toronto there you go. because I'm at whatever age, I don't have this realization that, oh, they have to bring in a certain local element. And then it blew my mind because what that does is that makes a goal attainable. If I'm a, a sure. 14 year old kid in a band, and you're like, oh, this band is on the radio. We're not talking about mansions and cars and anything. We're talking about this band is on the radio. This band has a video on Much Music. That was the moon to me. Mo Berg told me this himself, that when they started playing I'm an Adult Now and Much Music, it changed everything. That's how they got their record deal. That's why he can, you know, although he has to do a lot of production of other people's music. That's another story I like to dive into is... Uh, how were our Canadian rock stars, unless you're Michael Bublé and you're cracking the big market to the south or whatnot, uh, international markets, uh, they're not, we- typically, typically, they're not wealthy people. They're, mm-hmm. you know, struggling to especially pay rent in this city. Like, it's a tough city to be an artist in, even a musician where, you know, I'm going to see Sloan on Saturday night. I'm going to see Sloan at the Phoenix Concerts series. No way. Yeah, like, Sloan's got to keep keep working they need to keep touring to to make money to feed their families and uh, pay their rent it's a uh, tough sledding but uh, yeah. i had uh two run-ins with run-ins i say run-ins <laughs> it means i saw them yeah and they had no idea i existed but i call <laughs> that a run-in with sloan sure and uh the first Wait, did you say hi to them i the second time i did okay that means the, you met somebody from sloan the the first, f- if you just see someone you didn't meet anything you just saw them, the but. first time it was the good in everyone is that yeah, the, yeah. the good and everyone? Good Their music yeah, video. Two minute, two, yeah, the airport. The uh, airport yeah. needed extras. Yeah. And that was what was amazing. Also about uh, The Edge, they would have these announcements of bands that needed extras. I remember Gob another time in Downsview Park Gob. needed extras. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm so down for being in a music yeah, video. Yeah, yeah. And you show up at 6 a.m. Yeah. And it's just whoever shows up. You don't have to register. So you did this? for? Did you so, do it for the Sloan one? So I did it for okay. Sloan. Amazing. And then the second time was there was um, a spot above Tattoo Rock Parlor. I don't think it's still there. It's called the Orange Lounge. Okay. They were uh, both a studio and uh, a boutique label. And they, for a few years, hosted these intermittent interactive type uh, events where, where bands would come in and and do an acoustic set cool. generally and then answer a bunch of questions in a, in a one-on-one afterwards. And I was fortunate enough to run camera. And this was early in my career. Right. And I kind of knew someone on the inside that got me in. They're like, we'll give you 50 bucks. And I'm like, you don't even have to give me 50 <laughs> yeah, bucks. Yeah. I'm That's like, cool. I'll just show up. And, and that's the time I got to say hello. And it made my day. But you bring up a perfect point that... It, it it's because they had to keep going. Money City Maniacs, they weren't going to, you know, rest on the laurels of that and be set for life. Well, not even close. I mean, no, no. Sloan's a great example because they had a, a long list of Canadian 
radio hits and much music hits. So we'll put radio and much music in the same kind of bucket yeah. or whatever. But they had a bunch. Like uh, I'm just thinking from the time I heard Underwhelmed on 102, mm-hmm. like all the way through uh, the 2000s, they were they had hits, big hits. But uh, where did they make their money? Right, they're making their money by hitting the road and people mm-hmm. buying tickets. Like I bought for the Phoenix on Saturday night. It's yeah, uh, yeah I'm telling you, I don't. Yeah, that's something. It's like you're, I mean, I was thinking, do I make a call to Chris Murphy's been over? Like, can I make a call and get on a, a list or do I just buy the stupid ticket? The mm-hmm. guy, they, they, they need the money. Like, let's, 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 uh, let's support, support them or let's whatever. Support artists. And I right. think of that a lot and it might be, I'm just, I'm just at the wrong age for downloading, like, like for the Napster, uh, LimeWire, oh, all that young? Down. I think I was on the other side of it oh, okay. where I could do it, but I was like, or I could just spend eighteen dollars, right. get the album, know that they make a piece of that, and have the liner notes, and not have to burn my own. I'm with you, man. That's a tough one. That's a whole like ethical discussion. But at some point, I I was cherry picking by the band. Like so, Sloan, for example, I was still buying their CDs right up until I was done with CDs. I was still buying the CDs. But if I heard a song, I don't know. If, Oh, that's a good example. Like uh, Alien Ant Farm uh, would yeah. cover Michael Jackson yeah. or whatever. Like I didn't want to go spend twenty bucks on that disc, and I prop that song probably would find its way to me through some nefarious uh, means. Uh, <laughs> yeah. LimeWire, Un- unbeknownst, or it would just show up on your computer. Yeah, I don't know, one man. Morning. Maybe some g- gremlins would come in on my computer and <laughs> do that. After a thirty-six minute download, so- <laughs> because that's how long five megabytes took back <laughs> in the day. So I mean, tragically hit Pearl Jam. There were certain bands I always bought the CD, but yeah, there were exceptions but alien ant farms part of a really interesting phase in music that got uh really angsty and angry for a while but at the same time like to mix themselves with michael jackson it, it created this neat little pool i went uh project wise they're a canadian band oh i was doing research for an upcoming shoot that we have right and i remember one of their music videos used this technique and so here i went down a project wise like like Worm rabbit hole, hole. Yeah, rabbit yeah, yeah, hole, yeah, yeah. trying to figure out how they did this thing. And then yeah. it led to all of this music from the late 90s that I remember. And then and then I just can't climb out of it, which I think you look at a band and I might not be going far enough back, but Limp Bizkit was kind of on the front of that. New metal. New metal. Yeah. And you, you have to spell new and you, but uh, I oh, mean, no. I always joke, I, true story that I saw Eminem at the, at the dome. So I saw Limp Bizkit at the dome and Eminem opened, I saw Papa Roach and then Eminem and then Limp Bizkit. And it's like, you had to be there. Cause now when you tell the story, like people kind of like cringe, like, Oh man, you're so, that's so not cool. But I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. Like you're thinking of it like with your 2018 brain, but like, Completely. like in 99, or 2000, it was okay to like Limp Biscuit. Like it was all it was over. It was, yeah, yeah, it was great. You know, it was, you know, break stuff and all this stuff. Three dollar bill, y'all. Like it was fine. I still throw on that cover of Faith because Alien Ant Farm. You mentioned Alien. I mentioned Alien Ant Farm. Well, I, I, I'll take it. I yeah, I, I, I mentioned Alien. But Ant that's Farm. of course uh, Smooth Criminal is right. their big hit, which is a Michael Jackson song. When I, the first song I ever heard from Limp Biscuit was Faith by George Michael's Faith. Yeah. And I'm telling you, I don't care how uncool it makes me. You throw, right now, you throw on uh, Faith by Limp Biscuit and turn it up to 11 or whatever. My heart's going, man. I'm, 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 I'm down with it. Like, it's still killer. Yeah, I think it's the best cover of that song out there because I, I think there's, people do renditions and people do covers. Like, like people do right. a, a version that's very close to the original, but they kind of turned it on its head yeah. Papa Roach is hilarious that you say that just because I thought that was like the height of guitar playing because here I was uh, a well, young last guitar resort player. man go put La- it on right now I'm telling you it's maybe it's my it's all my bias coming through here but last resort still kicks ass yeah. I'm, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry and then you you evolve out of that and I think the next well we had Evanescence remember Evanescence of course of course where uh, where they then have this like delicate strong but delicate yet strong incredibly strong female vocalist what band Slipknot Slipknot which was really heavy but I still liked them because they kept a melody in that mm-hmm. like I, don't, I didn't like the wall of sound unless it had a, like a melody in there mm-hmm. and I found, I found it in Slipknot there was a lot of Slipknot songs I quite liked they had um, good singers 
The, 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 they Did they do Wade and Bleed? Is that Slipknot? Wade and Bleed? I know. I, I feel like I, I, I just got my first uh, smart speaker, and all day long I work from home, and all day long I'll have a thought like that will go in my head, and I'll say, and I can't, I, I'd say it, but my phone will probably answer. It but, is okay, uh, Google. Uh, is Slipknot's hit Wade and Bleed? Uh, we have an official. By the way, can I can I tell people about the setup here? Uh, I would okay, love so for like, you to. You have a guy. Like there's a guy I here. I have a Dylan. Uh, so Dylan, like Dylan, doesn't get to talk on the mic. He just uh, does. He, he has a microphone. But he lets you do all the... He's welcome to talk on the mic whatever he wants. It's just honestly, because I do all that, I do your part and Dylan's part all myself. And I'm just watching like, you have you have a... You've divvied up the duties. I have a Dylan and that's only like, you because... You can just focus on talking to me. I realized I can't talk... I, I don't know how you do what you do. It's fun. Especially when you kick out the jams yeah, because yeah, you're playing through so many tracks. Just the other day, we were trying something new with the board and the computer yeah. and stuff, and I had the mic, and I could not coordinate my left hand and my right hand while speaking to line something up. I'm actually, uh, I'm going to toot my own horn and tell you, I've become very, very good at this. You're right. So you're not only are you... Because I don't do any editing. I don't know if you'll do any editing, but I don't do any editing. So it's all completely live to tape. And I've become quite good, I think, at, uh, like, there's no awkward pauses or, like, we, Not the mistakes all. we have are kind of authentic and they get to I keep them. But, like, uh, I'm doing the conversation, moving that forward with the audio elements and real time. I'm not adding these elements, these audio later. We're all listening in our headphones at real time. But at the same time, of course, I'm watching the levels. So I want to make sure, you know, get on that mic. I might have to say that once in a while because it's <laughs> not edited. But, uh, get yeah, them to lean right in. Things. Yeah. And I'm always watching my uh, waveform. Like, I'm always, I'm, yeah. I'm doing all of this kind of, I find it, uh, fun like I really can't imagine I mean what you're doing now which is great you're just talking to me and working on the content although I see no notes see I have a tablet in front of me with like bullet points like for example if Dave Hodge is coming over I'll have a bullet point uh, pen flip okay (laughs) you know like I'm not just just in case we get off on a tangent just just the the famous pen flip back is that the one you're talking about? There's only one uh, Dave Hodge pen yeah. flip, uh, 86, I want to yeah. say, but it, it was big in the news this week because Dave Hodge made his triumphant return to Hockey Night in Canada on Saturday night when they had the Blue Jackets, yes. uh, and that's the first time he's been on since he flipped the pen. So, for example, so Dave Hodge is an example because Dave Hodge happens to be a crazy music fan. I'm not saying he's crazy and a music fan. He's a crazy music <laughs> fan. Like, he's crazy And then, music. you know, you go to the Phoenix tonight and somebody's in town... Of any of anyone of note, and I'm not, I'm not talking the mainstream. He's not ACC to see Smashing Pumpkins like me. Okay, he's at whatever. Uh, he'll be at, like I'll use Horseshoe as the example. He's at the Horseshoe to see some up and coming band out of Memphis or whatever that he's been hearing about or whatever. And he's in the front row and he's there going hard. Like he's a big time music uh, nut and very knowledgeable. And we could get on a tangent about music and he could we could go off for half an hour and talk about music. And then I could look at my clock and say, oh crap, the great Dave Hodge only had an hour. And next thing you know, it we're talking about the reporter and then I'm signing off and I won't sleep that night because I'll be lying in bed thinking Mike you forgot to ask Dave you had Dave Hodge in your basement and, and you, you forgot to ask him about him the about. pen flip and that's why I have bullets on the don't forget these points and I make sure I'm always glancing at my tablet just to make sure I don't miss those points because I cannot have that happen where I had Dave Hodge in my basement and did not ask him about the pen flip so this is interesting and I wanted I want to jam on this for a quick sec because I want to know your approach because my approach was always I had conducted interviews and I still conduct interviews with sports personalities and I've done it now for oh, like professional athletes. Yeah. Athletes for about 10 years I've now. I've never done. Okay. And for me, every interview was always leading to something yeah. like I was always driving a story. I was always driving a point and it is in its own way tiring because some days they don't want to talk about that thing that you're told to get, go out and talk to them about. And what I really wanted was to enjoy the ability of conversing with someone, especially the people I met along the way. For me, without that constraint of, I have to get to this point. I have to go this way. Because so many times, all I want to do is just see that you went off on a lowest of the low tangent and I could spend 40 more minutes there and I will have had the best day of my life. Um, well, yeah, again, stop preaching to the choir. They're already converted. But uh, I <laughs> <laughs> uh, But I will say, um, well, but so firstly, I've never 
I've done 401 episodes of Charles. Congratulations on 400. Oh, thank you. That was fun to have everyone. It's 400 milestone. I cheated it like one, but then I thought like somebody made a point like, okay, well, you just did a 300 thing. Now you're doing 400 thing. Like maybe these should just be every 500 or something like that. So I will do a 500 thing and then I might just shut up until a thousand. That's what I, I might Well, do. I think it's like anniversaries with a loved one. In the sense that at the very beginning, you see my cousin did a two-week anniversary uh-huh. of dating. Wow. And then it's well, like, a little sad, it's actually. our one month. <laughs> and, and then it's our three month. And then it's our six month. And at a certain time, you're like, we go with marriage anniversaries and it's once a year and that's it. Your cousin might need to see a therapist, I think. There's no. some issues, <laughs> underlying issues. It's like, cute. It's almost, like, yeah, it's cute if you're like seven or eight years old, maybe. But uh, not my place to judge. But uh, professional athletes, so in 401 episodes, I've, in fact, I have a professional athlete scheduled soon, which will break this streak. I'm almost thinking, cancel that. Keep your streak going. I've never spoken with that, once yeah. with a professional athlete. Not one not one interview with a professional athlete. And I've never, not even not even like a Nick Kiprios, who is Was now a in- a former athlete. Yes, not even a former professional athlete. Not one. Now, Ray Ferraro is coming over in January. But this gentleman, Stephen Caldwell, who's a was captain of- uh, Toronto FC. Yeah. Good, good friend of the show. Is we'll he? call him Stephen he's, Caldwell. He's a, uh, okay, what- well, because he's coming over Monday. Uh, no I've never way. Met him. He's coming over Monday. So he's a friend of friend of yours. He's a friend of yours, or uh, very Dylan? very good friend of ours. What can you tell me about him? Because uh, I need to do a little homework. You know, I do my homework. I haven't done it, started it yet. Uh, Stephen Caldwell is incredible. So he he played a bunch over in uh, England, bouncing between the top two leagues, okay. tiers of the league. So the Championship and the Premiership. He's played in Champions League, which is perhaps which is without question next to the World Cup, the biggest tournament. In the world, Champions League gets so much attention. He came over here uh, in 2013, and he almost immediately was made captain of the club. He had played, I believe, with the uh, coach at the time of Toronto FC, who was Ryan Nelson, and that's where he and I first met, was in 2013, because I was doing uh, a documentary series with Toronto FC. Cool. And then he ended up retiring in 2015, after an injury in the second game of the year, kind of put a sidelined him and then in July they announced his retirement and I was fortunate enough to be there during the announcement of his retirement and 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 for I didn't conduct the interview but I was there for the interview when he was retired uh, he has two incredible boys the uh, completely different personalities and at the World Cup uh, during the World Cup this year we got to see that come to light because we did a bunch of content with Steven uh, including them playing FIFA matches of upcoming games, Steven with one of his boys, and you see how completely different they are, and also what a terrible FIFA player uh, Steven is. Okay, interesting, small world. Oh, it is a small world. Everyone's connected in this small little Canadian media hub, but uh, he's a TSN guy now, Yeah, right? Stephen Caldwell. So yeah, so that's months. I have two episodes before that, so I haven't turned my brain switch to Stephen Caldwell because I've got a Wednesday night. And then I got a, a Saturday actually, which I try not to do. But then, yeah, Monday is Stephen Caldwell. So, uh, That's so what was it going? Yeah, so I haven't had a professional athlete, but that streak probably ends Monday, unless Stephen uh, bails on me. And, <laughs> he won't. He's he's good. He's and solid. I'm with you on the like the whole. I've like I I I my the kind of part of the reason that uh, Toronto Mike even exists is because I was personally tired of a person coming on to simply promote one thing. Like you right. get your two to five minutes, or if you're lucky, maybe seven. But really. Everything's driving this one thing that they're promoting. Like, I, I, it's I, like if Molly Johnson wants to promote her Kensington Market uh, Jazz Festival. I'm sorry, I missed it. It was in September, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, September. It was September. She wants to talk about that, and which is great, great talk about how many great musicians will be there, how it works. You know, you give what you can. What she'll do the whole spiel, tell people how to, how like what the dates are, pound home that you need to come to the Kensington Market Jazz Festival. Like, that's really, like, personally, I felt like that's a a very shallow and empty dive with somebody who probably has interesting things to say if somebody could extract those interesting things. So imagine you had an hour with that person and you will eventually get to the Kensington Market Jazz Festival and that will be discussed. But many other things on their career and experiences will be uh, discussed as well. So So you brought up Molly and so... I want to further the conversation in this way. 
you would say we do some we have Luca who does some uh, minor editing for us just make sure we get it to around the, our goal time which is 56 to 60 minutes okay. and so and then also I might drop the ball or I might say a name when I shouldn't say a name it just in conversation because everything's dialogue and then I'll ask Luca hey can you do me a favor can you just remove that name because it's not fair of me to include them when I didn't ask them first but you do everything unedited when has that been a challenge? And you brought Molly. When's that been a challenge for you? And maybe you've questioned that idea as to whether you should or you shouldn't. That's the only time at Molly. So <laughs> the Molly, she had an hour. We recorded an hour, I believe. And it went kind of south on me in a few ways. It went sideways on me, as you say. And I had never experienced it before or since. And at the, I had to, th- yes, that's the only time I had a thought of like, okay, like what do I do of this hour mm-hmm. recording? Normally I just, throw it online 15 minutes after the guest leaves and get ready for the next one or whatever. And that, that Molly, uh, episode, uh, I did a little like noodling. Right. <laughs> Is that an exp- can nope, I noodling completely. I was noodling this. You uh, noodled it. Do I edit it into some kind of a pack digestible package of 30 minutes or something? Do I release it as it is without context, which I thought that that's, I don't think that'll work and then I ended up doing like uh, a small post post I recorded a small bit at the beginning where I introduced it and then I talked to the listeners and explained that you know Molly's not here she just left this is what happened before we press record and here's what you can expect from the next hour but here it is unedited because I didn't edit Mm -hmm. a second out of it and then I let it I let it roll so that's the only time I thought about Hacking it up into something in palatable. When you received all listener feedback and praise and love from your community for episode 400, over and over again, you received support for that that Molly interview. Why yeah. do you think that, looking back retrospectively, because I have an idea, but I'm curious why you think you received so much support. I think a lot of people listening in real time to the Molly Johnson episode, possibly they thought maybe I should have just like... Uh, ended it or like mm. kicked her out not kicked her out but like, like maybe politely just said I clearly you don't want to do this we'll do it another day or maybe be not mean to her but sort of like I'm not sure I think that I think a lot of people in real time uh, are kind of living it through me somehow mm-hmm. uh, and in they're kind of like I guess at some point I do sort at some point I do like a reset where I call her out on it and I think a lot of people are very satisfied by that moment and I think um Maybe a lot of people are on some level like proud of the way like I mm-hmm. didn't like lose my cool or I hung in there and I tried to salvage it or and a lot of people, quite frankly, if you're a regular listener, uh, you probably felt uh, bad for me because you've heard hundreds of episodes and then suddenly you hear someone being mean to me for the first <laughs> time. So I don't know. I would love to hear your thoughts though because I'm so close to this and now I don't know. I'm just. Well, I think you have. You nailed everything. I don't have to say anything anymore. No. Um, this is how good you are of doing everything in the room is that you can even say the things that I wanted to say. You don't even need me here. This is Called incredible. Empathy. I was putting myself in your position. <laughs> what I appreciated from it and what I think people clung on to was two sides of it. First, you identified it that at a certain point... You know, a lot of times in her life, we'll walk away from a situation and her head be like, man, I really wish I said this. Not that we want to put someone down, but we want to let them know that they aren't being open and engaging and a participant in a situation where they should be. Right, right, right. And I think you, you didn't walk away and think about that, but you had the presence of mind to bring it up and, and, and just kind of in a way that's completely kind and and just so you just let her know that she's not participating in something in which you thought would be engaging and good for both sides i think if i if i can continue no yeah, yeah. i i think the second part too is that you also showed humility in it in things that you then apologize for. You're like, okay, maybe I shouldn't have put something this way. Maybe I should have said it something else. So it's really two sides of a coin and the person we all wish we were, the the, the one who can stand up for what they think is the right way to conduct themselves and at the same time, the one who can recognize in themselves when 
they could have contributed more and you did it perfectly all in one hour. I definitely wish I could have uh, shared the thought process in real time. Like, cause I was having this real thought with myself as I'm talking to Molly, who clearly doesn't want to talk to me. Uh, I had this thought of wrapping it up and just like yeah. setting her free. Like it was, it was really, really close. And then I, my brain went to this whole, like, like, what if you could save this heaping pile of shite? Like, what yeah. if you could make some chicken salad out of this chicken shit? <laughs> like, wouldn't that, like, could you do that? Like, it was almost like, could you do that? And I'm like, well, maybe I should try. And then I did the reset. But funny thing is, in that reset, I said these exact words. I said, I was getting a diva-like vibe. I, I think that's how I phrased it. I was getting a diva-like vibe. And this this is where the, the whole, the brand new low was discovered from the use of the, the word diva. Because uh, I, I said I was getting a diva-like vibe, and uh, interestingly, is like when things were bad and they went worse, and then they got better, and then got bad again, and then I reset it, and then used the D word, and then it hit, then it found its new bottom, but it seemed to uh, bounce off the bottom, and then anyway, it's funny that this episode uh, has become this notorious episode because what's happening, I think, because I'm doing like for some reason I'm being invited to talk to like college classes and like uh media classes at like you know humber or durham college and molly johnson typically comes up because it's like a like a unique episode and then uh, i realize i'm setting i'm telling a bunch of people to go listen to to make molly johnson their first episode of toronto mike where welcome to me right which is nothing like any of the other episodes and really it's not me doing what I think I do best, I'm way off my game, way off my game. Listen, because it's like a case study and I find it, it's kind of a interesting to listen to and hear it in real time. But don't judge the series on the Molly Johnson episode because none none of the episodes are like that. What do you enjoy and what influenced the fact that you wanted to develop Toronto Mike into an interview style? Because you and Rosie, you had your own dynamic off the top. Yeah, I think at the beginning, it was just me and somebody I have good chemistry with shooting the shit. And it was mainly because I had never done any broadcasting of any form and I needed to like figure it out. Like I needed to get better. So I needed to do episodes to get better. And Mm -hmm. the first bunch like with Rosie are just, we'll talk about whatever. And I was still figuring out how you use a microphone and, you know, and honestly the back end stuff too. Like I needed to work on like what Dylan's doing here. Like that, that I don't, I don't have any formal training. I'm all self-taught and all. So do I, I definitely have to work on that. (laughs) Well, the best way to do it is record episodes. So (laughs) I just kept getting better and better. And I mean, the first 19 episodes, I think I didn't even have my own studio. Like I did it all at Humble and Fred's studio. Oh, the no first way. 19, yeah. Because uh, I wasn't even sure if I didn't want to invest real dollars in it until I realized I was going to actually stick with it or whatever. And those guys uh, were were tight. So they said, hey, you can use our studio. And I said, okay, I'm going to do that. And then I think episode 20 is the first time I brought it into my own pers- my own home studio. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's been ridiculously satisfying because uh, often I'll leave these episodes almost like I'm high. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I keep referring to 399 with Tom Wilson because I there was a like a like in the recent lowest of the low, uh, there was a legit high that I get off of it. Uh, just like just something about the real talk and when you click with someone and you extract these interesting things. My always uh, my target audience is myself. Like. All this is me baking something that I would want to listen to. Like, mm-hmm. this is what I would like to listen to. And really, I still kind of true to that. Like, uh, every guest I have is because that's somebody I, I'd want to hear about, you know? So it's like I just serve myself and then uh, hope people hang with, hang with me. So Can we talk about Kick It The Jams? Because I brought it up and you've brought it up. Yeah. But in case someone hasn't... <laughs> Is silly enough and hasn't listened well, there's lots of them. To, to an episode where you kicked out the jams. The idea is, is do they bring a list of 10? Is yeah, it okay. So the quick, songs? quick superhero origin story is that uh, I'm on Twitter and I like, I quite like, I'm the guy who likes Mike Wilner. If you're looking for that guy, that's me, okay? <laughs> I like him as a person and I like him on JSTOC and I like him when he calls Blue Jay games and I like him on Twitter. I'm. I'm probably uh, the, the the charter member, maybe the only member of the Mike Wilner uh, fan club. What do I know? I like the, the guy quite a bit. He's been on a few times too. He's coming on again soon. But so Wilner, um, he came to one of my events. That's how that's how great a guy Mike Wilner is. But Wilner was tweeting about Pearl Jam's 10, the album, okay? Which is one of my favorite albums of all time because <laughs> I was a perfect age when it came out because I'm a little older than you guys. So Pearl Jam 10, he's tweeting. And I was thinking, my first thought is, 
I thought he was kind of like an 80s Duran Duran mm-hmm. guy. Like, that's kind of cool for Wilner. Like, my, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm just like having this, like, I call it shower thoughts. I'm just mm-hmm. thinking, Wilner loves Pearl Jam's 10. I would never have guessed that in a million years. Uh, wow. I, then I have this thought. What other what other stuff does Wilner love? And then from this Wilner tweet, I start having this like fantasy in my head where guests come back to me to play and discuss their 10 favorite songs of all time. Like this is the story. And I'm like, imagine like a guest like Wilner coming back and we play his 10 songs. And then while I play them, they react to the songs. Mm-hmm. They tell me a story about, oh, this is the song I listened to when I first kissed my wife. I get chills thinking about it. Like so, again, I'm my own target audience. Mm-hmm. I would eat this. This is the kind of show that tends the kicking out the gems is the kind of show I would devour. Like, can't I would mm-hmm. love this show? Mm-hmm. It's so much on my own. And I love this idea of like a sports media person, like Mike Wilner. We're not talking about Jays at all. We're talking about we'll talk about Pearl Jam, Duran Duran, whatever. Like, I love that idea too. And I'm like, I started with some, I remember I, I sent out a few invitations to, Hebsey was one of them, mm-hmm. Wilner, and just a, f- a few people. And I explained the premise and I said, would you be interested? And I got a few people reply, I, I think I sent out to, I don't know, 10 people who had been on the show already. And if three of them, I guess, replied back and said, I'm down. Uh, and I started booking them. And I said, oh, just before you come over, I need to, and please give me a little time with this list. Mm. Uh, Send me a list. Send me your list of your 10 favorite songs of all time. I will source out the MP3 files and load them into my soundboard so that I, you know, this is not post. We're not adding these songs in post. This is happening in real time. So they put the headphones on, the Sennheisers are on their head and we're listening to, I don't know, uh, Won't Get Fooled Again by The Who and you know that great wah, scream or whatever Mm -hmm. uh, from Dollar Tree. I almost called him Robert Plant. That's another guy who screams, okay? Uh, I don't remember the 70s, man. I was very young. So anyway. the haze. And Alan Cross. Deep, deep haze. Right. Imagine Alan Cross sitting there as you listen to the opening of Won't Get Fooled Again and Alan Cross telling you that's the greatest scream in rock and roll history right there. And this, and just talking about there been Pete Townsend on the guitar doing this. And then suddenly he's talking about the song as we listen. And he's saying, when I first heard this song in Winnipeg on my transistor mm. radio, my brain exploded. I re- Whatever it is. I love it, man. And I've done like 60 of these episodes. Holy and, uh, I, w- I used to, I get flack from people who wanted the typical episode, which is like a 90 minute deep dive mm-hmm. because here I am spending an hour listening to songs and <laughs> stuff. And I'm, I'm, I just shut out the haters. I'm like, you don't have to listen, skip the kick out the jams, but I'm not going to stop doing this because it's mm-hmm. way too much damn fun. So, and it is exactly what we spoke about earlier with someone contextualizing a song and a playlist and why it's important and providing that feedback that you love to listen to for so long. It's funny that Dylan's here, okay? Because a favorite amongst many 50-something sports media people is Bob Dylan. He comes up all the time. I know, big shocker, big shocker. shocker. Get out! But there's a guy more popular than Dylan. Uh, Springsteen? Springsteen, 100%. And I mean, I don't know, I'll think like a Steve Simmons, for example, Mm -hmm. or Brad Faye, who says, he tells me he's seen him like 100 times, Springsteen. Holy smokes. Uh, Damian Cox, like these, I'm just... Just thinking Least of general manager Kyle Dubas, Bruce Bruce Springsteen. By is that far. right? Because he when seems he was, awfully young for Springsteen. When he was in this, uh, the GM, the Sioux Greyhounds, yeah. he had uh, Springsteen posters uh, like framed in his office. Because what is he? Thirty four or something like that. Third, so. uh, third, yeah, about 34, 35. Okay, so I'm doing the math in my head because I, when I was a kid, the big album was Born in the USA. So I always yeah. say I, I was raised on Born in the USA, Bruce. Where all these fifty something year old sports guys, they were all raised on like Nebraska, like the seventies Bruce. There's a whole seventies Bruce, and then there's the Born in the USA Bruce, and then there's the. Uh, you know, brilliant disguise kind of mm-hmm. chilled out Bruce and then whatever. So uh, I'm surprised. That's interesting. Before you must have this uh, inner clock that goes off when you know about how much time you've been, roughly how much time well, you've been Well, it's not speaking. an inner clock because I'm staring at the damn, uh, <laughs> I'm staring at the waveform all the time. So I know exactly where I'm at. But here's one thing I'll say. And I, if you're playing me off, that's cool. Because you do an hour, you said? An hour? I, I do an hour, but I have one more question before we go. You have the guys at Great Lakes Brewery. Which yes. have been amazing. You have Parma Pasta. Palma Pasta. Palma is actually, oh, Palma. Uh, that's the matriarch of the uh, Petrucci family, uh, is Palma. That's her name. And uh, Had I had a notepad in front of me, <laughs> you see, I, I would have not messed this up. And we're I way, Parma, talk- like Parmesan. No, no. So we're east of Young, as I say. So uh, 
Palma pasta is probably not well known actually east of Young, but in the west end of Toronto uh, and people, especially in like Mississauga and Oakville, for example, Palma pasta is a big deal. Like they're they got four locations mm-hmm. now and amazing. But what I really like about both Great Lakes and Palma Pasta and other sponsors. I love these family run businesses. Like these are not conglomerate corporations mm-hmm. or whatever. These are like, there's a real ma pa thing going on, but they're, they're, they, they, they kick ass at what they do. Like they, the Great Lakes guys, they have quality craft beer that's ridiculously fresh even even in east york and it's it, you can go to a lcbo and see that the great lakes was like canned like two or three days ago like mm-hmm. it's insane and palma pasta the same deal like they're just quality so it's like i just love aligning with these uh these brands and yeah i'm lucky to have them as uh, as sponsors Paytm's really interesting. I think I want to look into it just on the, the tech part of my Get the brain. $10. Promo code Toronto Mike. When you do your first bill payment, you get $10. I mean, honestly, you can install the app at paytm.ca and then set it up, which doesn't take any time at all. Make a bill pay, pay your hydro or whatever. Use the promo code Toronto Mike. Suddenly they give you this $10 in Paytm cash. Put that on another bill. So now your $50 bill, you only paid 40 bucks. It's done. And then you don't have to, then whatever. You might like the experience and keep going. But if not, you at least it was worth 10 bucks. Like that's what I always say. I, the technology side of it is really interesting. Yeah. Like I want to go and use the promo code just so that I can figure out, okay, how does this work? Because it seems really smart. And I don't know why we're not doing this already. Like, why can't I just do it this <laughs> and way? And also, and I don't mean to do an ad here because they, they didn't pay me to do an ad here. But I will just say that I do like getting points on my MasterCard. So I get President's Choice points that I go to I literally go to no frills and I'll buy like $31 worth of groceries and give them a dollar this is how if I you know because I put the way the way I get my points is everything and I have a lot of bills of course Mm -hmm. I got lots of kids and lots of things going on every bill I pay in a month I pay on my MasterCard. Well, a lot of places like property taxes and stuff, they don't even accept MasterCard, but the way I do it is using Paytm as my conduit or whatever. So I pay, I use my, every bill I have to pay in a month, excluding my credit card bill, goes on my (laughs) credit card. And then, yeah, then once a month I get a credit card bill and I pay that with my bank account through Paytm. So, boom, Uh, just try not to uh, put more on your credit card than you can afford to pay each month and it's all good. That's life advice. That's life advice. Don't pay credit card interest rates. They are insane. And uh, don't use a credit card unless you can pay it 100% every month. 18-year-old Clay would have loved that. I don't <laughs> and you know, know why I didn't People know. are stupid. They think, oh, I just got to make the minimum payment. No, you pay no. interest on the whole thing unless yes. you pay all of it. You got to pay every penny of that off every single month. And that's why it's it. great. And, and that's why it's great that it gives you that number in the top left corner. It's like your bill as of the billing date is 2913 or whatever it is. Yeah. And that was my most recent one. And <laughs> you have three weeks to pay the full amount and we are interest free. You will be yeah, yeah. happy. Yeah, it's free, free money if you pay it off in that three weeks. And then otherwise it's the most expensive yeah. money you're ever going to. Or uh, you can pay $10 and we're going to slap you with this mean bill afterwards, which is called interest. Yeah, it's insane. And credit card debt is the worst. And uh, I feel sorry. Like in my hood, like in my neighborhood, which is like this, except on the other side of the city or whatever. Because uh, I like how south you are. It was a very easy bike ride because it's on the waterfront trail. But uh, I see a lot of like uh, payday loan. Uh, what do you call that? Payday loan yeah. places have. That's that's the, that's worst. the worst. That's And that's preying on the most vulnerable amongst us. And when you're at a point where you need to do that, like, you know, we got to like come talk to me and I'll do my best to help you. Like, I can't give you money or a job, but there's got to be a more it's worse. So the credit card debt is awful. The payday loans is as bad, maybe worse. It's almost ex- it feels like extortion. It's like, yeah, yeah I'll help you out. But the cost is just about going to cripple you. In the compounding interest and on and on and and you yeah you can't get out of debt because uh, anyway I, this is now a new show but uh, I know you're wrapping up. There, well, what but. I was going to ask you is uh, your ability to so there's like two ways that ninety eight percent of podcasts handle sponsors. Okay, one that I have found. Now I'm learning. One one is like a sixty second read where they come into it. They're like. And don't forget, I whenever I want to buy a new mattress, I always use Mattress King, da-da-da-da-da. Yeah, the second way is a roll-in, right? We're like, when we come back after the break, we're going to have Toronto Mike here right. first. And this is like the radio way. First, you know, right, hear like from an ad break, sponsors. And then you have canned ads or whatever. What right? I love, <laughs> what I love is that you will have one of the people that you have been working with come in and ask your guest a question. 
You'll yeah, have yeah, a yeah. Brian Gert, well, I just said, like, if he's listening, propertyinthesix.com, any Toronto real estate requirements. He's a, He's been a longtime sponsor. You're right. And there's a new sponsor, Fast Time uh, Watch and Jewelry Repair, another family-run business Sears, in Richmond Hill. right? They were the Sears. Whenever you went to Sears, it got your watch repair done or your battery changed. That was them, but they weren't allowed to be called what they were because right. Sears had these rules. And then Sears... They saved my butt to be honest, so many times. Sears effed them because at, suddenly... They're gone. And now these guys who have been around for 30 years don't have any bricks and mortar. They don't have right. any location. So now they're building up their, now they have locations in the GTA, including a new one in Richmond Hill. And I mean, Milan there, who's been on the show, just we just talked sports media and people loved it. Like just hearing, mm-hmm. he's a smart, well-spoken guy and he loves sports media stuff like uh, Bob McCowan, Primetime Sports, whatever. So uh, yeah, he now once in a while when I have a sports media person on, he'll like send in a question himself because he loved how Brian did that. Brian's got a jingle. He asks, I got Damian Cox coming in next week. Brian, Brian's already getting his Damian Cox question ready because he's going to be asking probably about tennis because those two guys, Brian and Damien both love tennis. I bet you that's what it's about. But yeah, I try to work of each sponsor, like what works for them. Palma gives a free lasagna to every guest. Great Lakes Brewery gives a free six pack of their beer to every guest. Uh, Brian asks a question. Milan's going to give away something. Hasn't He's a fast time guy. He hasn't figured out what yet, but he likes to, uh, we do a thing called remember the time on this day this happened mm-hmm. and that's brought to you by fast time. And then Paytm has the $10 they give everyone who uses the promo code, which is cool. That's the only sponsor I have that's not a family run business because mm-hmm. they're enormous in mm-hmm. India for example but they're an enormous finance company but census design build another family run independent shop uh, we got to work on something creative for them but yeah there's uh, it's been great with the sponsor I love the and, and I think what this wasn't even a question what a yeah. terrible question because really I was just setting myself up to say I love how you do that and I think it stands out and is different than everyone else and that's what's important that's real value add do you know why it's different you want to know why it's different because I you don't, about I, it? I'm too ignorant to know the blueprint and how things right. should be done. You said you've worked in sports media or whatever yep. for like 15 years or something like that, right? So you've kind of been on the inside mainstream media for a while. You kind of see how it's done. A lot of people go to school for this because I've been talking to these classes. Uh, I, went, I studied English and history at U of T, okay? We they didn't go to school now to listen to you, which is incredible. <laughs> which, is, which is amazing. Um, yeah, but only colleges I noticed. Where's the university? It's not coming. But, uh, Oh man, I, that was a terrible drive to Oshawa too. It's, I still have like a PTSD from that. That was a long drive. But all this is to say, uh, I don't know how things should be done. I just know how I instinctively think that they should be done and how I would like them done. And it's all because I'm my own target audience and I'm running on uh, passion and instinct and uh, breaking those eggs so you can enjoy your omelet. And that's what Toronto Mike, that's the, out of this, the Toronto Mike <laughs> Digital Services it came out of that idea <laughs> is that is that you have these uh, just ways of, of thinking through something and you know you can help and bring that to someone else. Yeah, honestly, Mark Hebsher, I brought him up a few times because I just, just before I biked here, I said goodbye to him at my front door because he, he comes over every, although it's Tuesday, I blew him off yesterday because I had a corporate, I do this corporate podcasting, which is amazing. Like uh, if you have like a finance company, for example, with lots of clientele, for example, you record podcasts exclusive for them and you would have your experts on different things. Like we talked about gold yesterday, like investing in gold and you have a mining expert on and it's fascinating that podcasting is this modern communication tool and I handle the A to Z. Like if you just have the mm-hmm. content, I, t- I take care of every other part from the recording, the microphones, to the editing, to the hosting, to everything from A to Z. You just bring the content. So it's been kind of rewarding to do, that's what, so Hebsey came over today, but normally Monday and Fridays because uh, I do Hebsey on sports with him at TMDS, uh, which is Toronto Mike Digital Services. And I'm looking, yeah, I'm, I'm, e- I'm looking to acquire new customers because it's a very new business and I have you know, four children. I got to feed these. <laughs> I got to feed these kids. So, uh, anyone looking for a podcast, uh, even just meet me, pick my brain, or have a coffee or whatever, uh, reach out. Yeah, Toronto Mike, reach out. I, I think when I look back, now it's only been twenty nine episodes, so it's not like I have hundreds to look through. But one string uh, between everyone that I've noticed is I am drawn to people who are self starters and who create their own thing. And yeah, I me too. don't know there's if there's any better example uh, than you. And I love that. I 
said at the beginning, and it's so <laughs> funny that I'm able to bookend this conversation this way. I said, we have one point of contact in our past, and that's Humble and Fred. Oh, okay. And they don't know who I am, but I was 18, 17. I was grade 11, so seven, 17 years old, and it was Take Your Kid to Work Day. Okay. And, and I had decided that I didn't want to pursue in any way my father's profession and so i reached out to uh 102.1 the edge and i was like hey guys we have this coming up uh i would really actually have to come in and shadow someone there right and no response a couple weeks later i'm like hey guys uh i'm an eager kid in Newmarket, ontario i can make my way down i'd really like to shadow someone there and then the uh director of marketing at the time said, okay, you can come in and shadow me. And we started our morning by being able to go and watch the Humble and Fred show when they're on the Young Street Studios right. and they had bare naked ladies in at the time. Oh, wow. And, and I was over the moon. And as the day progressed, I kind of went through a marketing day. They asked me, this is probably a pretty smart ask of them, but leading up, they're like, do you play guitar? Teenager listening to 2.1 The Edge. Yes, I probably play guitar. They're like, bring it down. We have some stuff you can do. They put me in a booth. And they had me record a jingle for the snow report for Blue Mountain. Right. Yeah. yeah. I had to to, to uh, record and 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 do that, and which I thought was incredible. And they paid me like a hundred bucks and gave me a free CD wow. of Offspring before it came out. And I was like, this is the coolest job in the world. And I got to end the day by sitting with is it Smash uh, Alan Cross. No, it oh. was after Smash. Okay. Uh, it was. The Ombre's one, right? Uh, no, after after that, uh, it was the one uh, with my pretty fly for a white guy on it. Oh, my condolences! Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your story. It, I need the details. Me. That's the other thing. No, it's Fine. not the good details, ones. Details, uh, it's after that. People say details don't matter. Just get to the story. No, I want the details in the story. So okay. <laughs> it was it was the one with pretty fly for a white guy, right? Uh, but I got it like three weeks before it came out, it was released. And I thought that was the coolest thing <laughs> in the world. And I ended the day sitting with Alan Cross nice. as, or rather his producer, as he recorded uh, History and New Music. And from right away when I heard that you worked very closely with Humble and Fred, yep. and that's really where some of your self-training came from. Oh, with I, um, Yeah, without a doubt, uh heavily influenced by watching those guys start their I mean I was podcast I was doing their back end since 2006 so it's a long time working with those guys and they do it every day they they well my, every day they take Fridays off I notice <laughs> but uh, at the beginning like I was in there for the first two weeks I designed the back end like the infrastructure I so I'm I basically they knew how to create their content but they also knew how to create the mp3 file but that's where they didn't know what to do with right. it and then I take it from there uh, and yeah, I learned a lot about the back end. Like it probably, I, I always say there's probably no Toronto Mike today uh, without there being uh, Humble and Fred podcasting. So uh, there are huge influences, but they're actually pretty generous with giving me credit because I heard as recently as yesterday, I heard Howard uh, saying that um, they could, they could there would be no Humble and Fred podcast without Toronto Mike. So like, they're pretty sweet back and forth. So yeah, and but that's a funny small story. I don't think so. there would be, like I wouldn't have pursued what I pursued in media and in television, and then eventually in podcasting, which to me yeah. was my own weird form of radio. Well, that's what it is. It's like Clayton Radio. That's yeah. what podcasting is to You're me. You're right, yeah. Uh, if it wasn't for them. And as we talked we about all those personalities right. uh, through the 80s and 90s on CHFI. That day that you were shadowing, like, do you remember the, the full lineup? Like, is that the Brother Bill era? Like, do you remember, uh, oh, I, could you do that? No. On the spot? Well, yeah, of course. That's no. the whole... No? Okay. no I, on it's the okay spot. if you can't. I, only, I'm going to cut it. Watch. This is the power of editing. I'm just going to cut it in afterwards as if I responded Mr. really Black. smart-like. I'm like, oh, yeah, you, you don't say. It was actually... Da, 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 da. <laughs> it would have been, uh, I think, 2001. I, uh, think I just wondered, like, because you start with Humble and Fred and then May Potts? Well, see, I left. Oh. Uh, I After uh, we ducked down okay. for part of Humble and Fred, and then I had to go back to the... Wait a minute. Mojo Radio launches in 2001, I feel, like Humble and Fred. Dean Blundell comes in. At two, are you sure it's So then it's 2000. Yeah, it must have been just before the Mojo launch, right? Because what happens is Humble and Fred was. leave 102 for 640. 
Mojo Radio. Right. And Dean Blundell was that is recruited. Two thousand. I feel like it was. Well, it's definitely pre nine eleven. That's one hundred percent. I think it was early two thousand and one, maybe. But uh, maybe like yeah, really early two thousand and one. Uh, because uh, and May Potts is one of the. She was on one hundred two. She also moves to Mojo, which she told me is one of the worst decisions she made or whatever. That she made. Uh, she regrets that one. But uh, Humble and Fred, in hindsight, they so Humble and Fred go to six forty Mojo, and Dean Blundell is recruited out of uh, Windsor. To take over mornings on 102, and this is early 2000s, I'd say. So, well, 2001, so, I'm going to so say. Can Pre-9/11. I remember the lineup? Yeah. I can't. I know what grade I was. I thought I was in grade 11. Maybe not, so. Maybe it was. Well, you know, so I only know it's pre 9/11, uh, but I don't know. I, I'm sure it's early 2001, but you, this could easily be 2000. That you so I would have gone in November of whatever year. 2000. I went in 2000. November 2001. Uh, Humble and Fred are on Mojo Radio, and I finished grade 11 in 2001. So that makes sense. The wealth of knowledge you bring. <laughs> it's kind of useless, but at least with podcasting, somebody appreciates it, maybe. I appreciate the fact that you're so generous, not just with your time, but with oh, yeah. what you've learned. I've learned a ton just sitting here, so thank you. No, oh, thanks for inviting me. I appreciate me. that. I like to end every podcast the same way, Mike, and I'm hoping you can help me out. Yeah. I believe that big things are influenced by small things, and I believe that we can all do things we can all better ourselves each day by paying attention to the smallest of things and that's eating our vegetables. And so I ask everyone at the end of every podcast to please, please, please be good to yourself and eat your vegetables. Yes. He's got it. (laughs) 